and during some of the toughest times, I have a little piece of paper in my wallet that I keep all the time, even to this moment, uh, of different things that I that mean to me, different sayings that mean a lot to me, uh, things that I strive for, recognizing my responsibility to give back. Reoccurring mantra I got into in college where I would just say, I'm going to break the mold. Two days after my second injury, my dad flew out to Indiana and we drove home. Went right up to my room, slept for a day, and then I woke up the next morning, I spray painted my wall. No quitting me. I remember, you know, there is no quitting me and I won't, you know, I won't give up. The number one thing you gotta remember is your transferring energy. And whatever energy you got is the energy the viewers are going to have. You are listening to Intentional Performers with Brian Levinson, where we talk with experts of craft about their journey and what they have intentionally done to be their best self. As we talk with them, the hope is that we uncover intentional gems that you can use in your life now. Let's kick it over to Brian to introduce this week's guest. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Intentional Performers Podcast. I am Brian Levinson. Excited to have you with us today for another incredible episode with an athlete who I've enjoyed following his career, and he's much more than an athlete, as you'll find out in today's conversation. But before we get to him, I'd like to share a bit about myself. So if this is your first time here, welcome. I work mainly as an executive coach where I founded a company called Strong Skills. And at Strong Skills, our team is on a mission to change how the world thinks about soft skills. See, we're coaches and facilitators, and we believe that labeling competencies like leadership, teamwork, and communication as soft devalues and minimize the importance of these skills. So if you enjoyed today's episode or you're interested in my work or our group's work, you can head over to strongskills.co and you can learn all about what we do. Over there, you'll also find out information about my book, Shift Your Mind, which came out in October of 2020. If you've read Shift Your Mind or you've listened to these episodes in the past, we'd really appreciate it if you went over to Amazon and wrote us a review for the book or head over to iTunes and wrote us a review for this podcast. Both of them really do help expand our reach for the book and for the podcast. Thanks to all of you who continue to support this podcast on social media. We really do appreciate you sharing these amazing intentional performers with the world. Now to today's guest, Vernon Davis on the football field is just ridiculously accomplished. Two-time pro bowler. He played 14 seasons. And if you're not familiar with the National Football League, playing 14 seasons is not something that's easy to do. It's hard on your body. It's hard on your mind. And he was also a second-team All-Pro in 2013. He led the NFL in receiving touchdowns in 2009. He was an All-American in college. He won a Super Bowl with the Denver Broncos. So his accolades as a football player are just incredible. But what this podcast and what this conversation is really about is everything else that Vernon is involved with. He's an entrepreneur. He's an artist. He was on Dancing with the Stars. He's a real estate investor. He's a dad. These are the parts of Vernon that are going to come out in this conversation. And you're going to find that whatever he does, he wants to be great at that thing. And so he thinks deeply about what it takes, the discipline, the creativity, and really at his core, he believes he's an artist. 
But interestingly enough, he blends artistry and creativity with discipline. And that's what I think helped him be successful on the football field. I think that's also what's helping him to be successful post his football career. So here is Vernon Davis. Vernon, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I think I said to you before we started recording that I don't know how many Terps we've had on, but when you're based in Maryland, you end up getting connected to a lot of Terps. So glad to have you. Uh, Excited to chat with you today. And when I asked you, hey, what would you want to talk about? You said, hey, I just finished a workout and uh, I'm really into exercise and fitness. So why don't we start there and talk about what fitness looks like for you, especially post football and, and why you're so passionate about it? Yeah, for me, I kind of I changed up a lot. Yeah, I went from going into the weight room every day to uh, running and jogging and um, really making sure that my health is is 110% because without your health, you have nothing. You're not able to work out because this is the time because you're not in the locker room, the training room every day where there's doctors and and uh, there's um uh, trainers, physicians, you know, there's, there's none of that. So you have to really make sure that you stay accountable for yourself. But one thing that I really enjoy is a product that I just invested in called Jack Jocks. Jack Jocks is a, it's one of those home in-home smart uh, workout systems that allows you to put in the optimum training that you need to be able to create the lifestyle that you want. And it's so unique because there's a there's a button, something I've never seen before. You press a button and it mitigates the the amount of weight that you have on that dumbbell. It's pretty awesome. Never seen anything like it before. So it's really, it's really cool to be able to utilize this machine and and also uh, for the betterment of myself and my health at the same time. So that's pretty awesome. So that's what I do. I spend my time making sure that I can really utilize that equipment as well as eating properly and taking care of my mind. Uh, because that ha- that goes along with your with the the lifestyle that you create for yourself as well, and creating that longevity that you want. What does taking care of your mind look like now, and what did it look like when you were playing? Taking care of my mind when I was playing was pretty much uh, seeing a therapist, making sure I see my therapist, make sure that I meditate, make sure I wake up in the morning, and really focusing on the things that I want to see in my life, like treating people the way I want to be treated or better, right? Responding to things appropriately because life is all about how we react to certain things. And um, having a peace of mind, eliminated all of the negativity and the things that can really distract you with whatever it is that you're doing. And I think there's a lot of similarities with then and now because I still have to incorporate those things into my life. The only thing is that I, I have to, I spend a lot, a lot of time by myself now, because if you think about it, you spend a, you're around your teammates and coaches all the time. You're walking into the facility six months out of the year, well, seven, probably more than that. But now, you know, I, I have my own world, my own circle. I don't have to report to anyone. I don't have to be anywhere at a certain time. I just have to take care of my business, do things that I have to do. You mentioned therapy. When did you start seeing a therapist? I started seeing a therapist from the moment I walked, I got drafted. What, le- what was the reasoning for that? Because I, when I arrived, I was hearing a lot of the veterans talk about them seeing therapists. And then one of the coaches came up, one of the coaches came up to me one day and said, hey, you should try this, try this, uh, this therapist. Because they have these on every team. I don't know if you know, but there's an in-house therapist. 
she's there or he's there for the players because they know there's so much going on, you know, in life. I feel like even if you're not playing sports, you should have a therapist. You have someone that you're talking to, whether it's a pastor, mentor, uh, father figure, whatever it is. You need someone that you can get this information, whatever it is that's on your heart and your mind. You need to be able to talk about it and get it off your chest. And maybe you're looking for some insight. There has to be someone because it, it'll take you much further than you think. What did you discover about yourself from seeing that therapist? Was there anything that came up during that that might have been unexpected or that has stuck with you? I discovered from seeing a therapist, I, I discovered that I, there was a lot of things about myself that I needed to change. There was a lot of things about myself that I need to get better at. And as a human being, we always think that we're, we're here. We think we're at that destination and there's nothing wrong with us. There's nothing we need to change. There's nothing we need to get better at. But that's your opinion. That's not a fact. The fact of the matter is that we're all living beings and we all have something that we need to get better at each and every day. We're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to do the things that, that we don't want to do sometimes. But it's all about, like I said, it's all about how you respond and how do you react to those certain things. And having a therapist, that gives you that outlet and that space to be able to correct those things and, and be at peace with yourself. Don't beat yourself up too bad just because you got off track. Get back on track, start over, reset, and go in the direction you, need, you know you need to go. You mentioned meditation as well. What did your meditation practice look like then? Is it similar to now? Uh, how do you think about meditation? My meditation process is it's pretty much uh, create. First, I like to create a vision board. I, I love. It's nothing like having a vision board, um, because if you're waking up and you're seeing this vision board every single day, you're gonna go after those things that you want: images, uh, text, whatever it is, to really stimulate your mind. Right? That's that's very important. And then throughout the day, I'll take at least five minutes throughout the day, and really focus on the things that I want in my life. Close my eyes, and I deep breathe. I do some deep breathing work. And it allows me to really tap into that space and connect with the images that are on my mind. Because it's all visualization, visualization, uh, vision boards, all that stuff go together. If you can meditate on that stuff every single day, you can manifest all these things in your life. And I think it's very powerful because I'm, I feel like I'm a testament of, of what meditation really is, manifesting these things. I just had a, I just did, um, I was on the front cover of this magazine called uh, <clears throat> the Black Magazine, is it? Yeah, the Black Magazine. Yes, the Black Magazine. And um, it's pretty awesome because the caption says, manifesting at the bottom of my name, how I manifest things that I want in my life. And, um, you know, I didn't tell him that. I didn't give him the caption. He came up with that for himself because just like you, we ask questions. And based on the question that we ask, we we can really identify someone and, and really tell what they're like and what really moves them. You know what I'm saying? So that was pretty cool. When I researched you and even when I was living in San Francisco and you were playing for the 49ers, I remember seeing, you know, the news and you're involved in curling or you're involved in art and just from an outside perspective. And I know some yes. people in the NFL, but, but I would hear them and then I watch you and I think people would describe you as different or unique. Um, <clears throat> when you're inside an NFL locker room, were people thinking that you're unique or you're, you're different? And, and how would that land with you if they would be like, oh, yeah, Vernon's a little different. He's a little unique. Um, 
how would how would you respond to that? Yeah, I think I think a lot of people used to say I was different because of the things that I was into. You know, I would try everything. Like as a kid, I was always into a lot of different things, from soccer to being a tumbler on the cheerleading team, just everything. I was riding skate. I was riding skateboards when no one was riding skateboards. Everyone else Jordan, riding where, bikes. Where does that come from for you? That that desire to try new things, that desire to put yourself into uncomfortable positions, and and sort of be okay with your, you know, in your skin with in those situations. I think, uh, I don't know. I guess it, that's just something you're born with. Certain people are born with certain things. When, when they come out of the womb, is is this is who you have. This is what you have. Now, it's, it's the experiences and, and the time that you have on earth that allows those things to come together, right, once you start to figure it out. And I think that's just who I was from the beginning of time, especially me being an artist. I'm an artist. So if you, if you can imagine, like, guys, like, there's so many different creative geniuses in this world, like Kanye West. Um, I can go on and on and on. Um, Someone like Elon Musk, maybe. Yeah, Elon Musk. Yeah, I mean, it's just a lot of brilliant people in this world. But you take people like that and you put them in a space with everyone else. They're going to stand out. They're going to seem like they're, they're weird. It's going to seem like they're, they're, they're not the same as, as the general public. or They're just different never seen anything like it it's because they were these kind of people they were meant to be who they are and where they are right it's their creative outlet and they and that's how they thrive that's how they're able to make it in life right right it's the the ones who go after what they want they go after because that's that's the only thing that they have to live for pretty much you know what would life be like if those individuals didn't have the the platform that they have. They wouldn't be able to process. They wouldn't, it, it wouldn't work. They, they wouldn't have anything to live for. So that's why we have people like that. And, and, and the hardest thing is to be able to understand those kind of people is that they're, they're wired differently in their mind because they're, 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 they're so creative. And that creativity is, is very interesting and unique in so many different ways, in ways that people can't really understand it. The average person can't understand it. They can't relate to it because they don't have that same mind. Yeah, this is going to get really interesting because you said I'm an artist. I didn't hear you say I'm an athlete. Uh, and and maybe that's also a part of your identity. You play in the NFL for 14 yeah. years. I'd imagine it is. But as I did my research for this conversation, I heard that a lot from you. Like, I am an artist. That's sort of who I am from a nature standpoint. And it's got me just wondering and thinking about playing a sport like football. Because when I think of football, I don't think of it as an amazingly creative sport compared to something like basketball or soccer or lacrosse or hockey. You know, it's more of a, hey, run your route, do your job, stay here in this lane sort of sport. Uh, and when I talk to football players, they sometimes struggle with the monotony that can exist in that sport where you're sort of drilling and doing the same thing every day. Even today I was watching some stuff on OTAs and these guys are just hitting dummies over and over again. Um, for you, how did you, I don't want to say balance. I don't think that's the right word, but how did you ensure, cause you also are come off as someone super disciplined and focused with your body and your health and all the things we started this conversation with. How did you balance your ability to, fit into a league like the NFL and not just fit in, but excel and, and 
be a star in the league while still having this creative mind. And you even mentioned autonomy that you have way more autonomy now than you did when you're playing football, where you have to show up on time, you have to be there for games and practices. How did you blend those two, the creative mind and the discipline mind? I think because football to me was a, a picture. I created an image and I created this image in a way visually. And the way I saw this image, that's the way I approached it every day. I did the same thing every day for 14 years. Maybe added things to it along the way, small little things here and there. But for the most part, I had painted this picture in my mind. And that because I'm a, you know, I'm an artist. So especially like when I'm painting and I'm painting on a canvas. I like to, I, I know exactly what I'm going to do before I do it. I know where it's going to align, step back, have to come back to it again. That's how football was for me. I had it all mapped out. I saw it. I saw me being the last one on the football field catching balls. I saw me going into weight room Wednesdays and Thursdays. Uh, I saw myself studying, putting extra study time in to really learn these plays in a certain pattern, in a certain way. I saw myself catching tennis balls every summer, all summer long. I saw myself taking a week off and getting back to work. Like I had all this stuff, made. It, was a, it was a picture, an image on my mind. And I saw how it was done. Like, and I think that allowed me to continue to be creative as well as the way I ran my routes and the way I looked at, at the plays. Like everything was all about uh, creativity. How can I be creative, creative with this? And, and like you said, to go back, a lot of people might identify me as a football player, but I never identified myself as a football player. I was never a football player. I was an artist, a creative individual who happened to be good at football, right? I never let football consume my life or my lifestyle. Did you it love was it? Just something. Did you love football? I loved it. I was very passionate about it. It was all I had in the beginning because it was all I really knew. You know, growing up in the environment, the neighborhood, I, it was an outlet. But to tell you the truth, I never really played football I was a kid. I played one year, Pop Warner, and then I, um, I started playing basketball. I played basketball all the way up into 10th grade. And then that's when I decided to change and start playing football. But it, I was never really, I never really thought I was going to be a football player. I always thought I was going to be an NBA. But it didn't work out that way. So I had to pivot. And I pivoted in a way that made sense for me and made sense for my career. The way I'm hearing it come from you is that you turned it into a creative outlet. You turned it into um, art. And you made it your own sort of canvas and figured out, all right, how can I paint with this canvas? But you've been in locker rooms. Like I remember I worked with Maryland football and I remember asking these guys, Hey, do you love football? And a lot of them didn't say they did. They might've loved what football could give them and, you know, give them a full ride to get them a chance to make money and buy a house or take care of their family. Um, but you know, in, in like a football locker room, there's a lot of guys who don't love football uh, and it's a physically grueling sport. And by the way, I see the same in sports like swimming. I see the same in sports like wrestling. I see the same in sports like cross country, uh, even tennis, sports that are physically hard on your body. And then there's also an emotional spotlight that occurs in these sports where if you screw up, it can be embarrassing or, or shameful. Um, but, but for you, it sounds like you did love, you, you created a creative process within this game that maybe is more yes, sir, no, sir, more black and white or do your job or whatever you want to call it. Did that, did that psychologically help you um, love the sports and so not necessarily football? I don't identify, but I love the art underneath it. And you created almost like a simulation of what it was underneath the actual game. 
Yeah, yeah, I think it all goes hand in hand. Creativity is creativity, and you can be creative with anything. It doesn't matter if it's sports, business, whatever you have, you can always use that creative genius inside yourself. And that's what I was able to do. But it was it was always there. Um, it wasn't until after football it started to come out. You know, that's how I was able to take on like 27 projects in a year and a half. And it was, and I did it effortlessly because I loved it. I was passionate about it. Now, a lot of guys, they try to figure out what's next for them. But for me, I started while I was playing. I started putting the pieces together slowly, slowly of what I really wanted to do. I was in Baywatch. I had a cameo in Baywatch when I was playing ball, a movie called Hell on the Border. And that really triggered me to really go for it and do the things that I really want to do. Were there people in your life who ever told you to stop doing that and just focus on football? Yeah, I feel like a lot of people did all throughout my life. A lot of people told me I wasn't going to, they, they told me I wasn't going to make it. They didn't support me. They didn't, um, they didn't believe in what I was doing. They didn't believe in the process. They didn't see my vision. You know, they, it, it just, the only person that believes in you is you, really. Yeah, of, course your, your, of course, your family cares about you and the people that love you, they care about you, but Sometimes the people that care about you don't even really believe in what you're doing. They see you doing it, but they don't really know what you're after and why you're after it, right? Because they can't see inside of you. And it's okay. It's fine. That's just how life is. But if you want something, you want it bad enough, you go out there and you don't stop. Like if somebody asks me, um, you know, because I've, I've done about 12 movies now. I got a big movie coming out with Morgan Freeman. The two with Bruce Willis, uh, John Malkovich film. Um, we have a we have a, a film on platform called PureFlix, which is backed by Sony. That that series is number one series on PureFlix right now, which is pretty cool. And there's only been two episodes. My 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 episode was the very first episode. So it's just it's just it's interesting the way people. My buddy, one of my really good friends, he asked me. He said, "Why are you still taking acting classes twice a week?" I mean, you've been doing it for two years. I said, yeah, I've been doing it for two years. I said, because like repetition and consistency is the key to success. When you're, when you do something repetitively over and over and over, imagine if I'm taking these active classes three years, twice a week, for three years, you know how good I'm going to be? I'm going to be extraordinary. I'm, you know, I feel like I'm at a great place now with my career and my, in my, in my craft. You know, I really want people to see this more than Freeman movie because I put my heart and soul into that movie. You know, and when I was on set, it's pretty interesting that the director uh, named George, George Gallo, he he did. He directed Bad Boys. He wrote Bad Boys, three or four, one of them. And he told me on set, he's like, I want you in every movie I make. I want you in every movie I make. I thought that was phenomenal. I mean, that was really rewarding for me because I don't, I, I know, I know that I'm doing this, but to be able to work alongside Morgan Freeman and to have a, an iconic director and writer tell me that, that's amazing. Any that idea why? Any idea why he, he wants you? Because he saw me performing. He saw me performing all, I mean, I've been on set for like 12 days and he saw me every day perform. And the way I performed, he really, he really genuinely loved it. And um, I was like, wow. So that's why when I say, when I want people to see this movie, I need for people to see this movie. Like, it's going to be phenomenal. 
What are the similarities and what are the differences between when you're painting, when you're playing football, when you're acting, obviously dancing with the stars, when you're dancing, um, any similarities that go across and any differences that you notice between those different endeavors? Yeah, there's a lot of similarities. The visualization and the preparation part of everything is all similar. Like when your mindset for preparation, Vernon, what are you thinking about? Like, so in preparation, the visualization, like what's your approach there? Preparation. I'm looking at where it's where I'm I'm thinking about where I'm going to be after I get to a certain mark. Cause I know if I'm, if I'm super consistent at this thing, this one thing that I'm doing that I need to learn and I need to do in order to get to where I need to go. I'm going to be amazing. I'm going to be great. So I get excited about what's coming. I don't, I'm not excited, too excited about what's right now. I'm just living in the moment, taking it one day at a time. But I'm excited about the future, about where I'm going to be a year from now, two years from now, three years from now. That's what gets me going because I know that what I'm doing right now is going to take me there, just like it did in football. It's the same formula. It's the same thing. It's going to work. It's guaranteed to work. If you're putting in the work, it's going to pay off. It's going to show up. It's just timing. Prep when preparation meets opportunity, right? When that preparation meets the opportunity, over time, you're going to show up. And then when it's game day and the lights are on, or you know you're on the set and and they say you know um, you know action, uh, or you're painting on a blank canvas or you're on TV and I don't even know how many people watch Dance with the Stars, but it's a lot. Um, when you're actually in it and you're actually executing, take us into your mind when you're doing those things. Yeah, when you're executing, it's just you and it's just you and what what you're supposed to do, what you're going after. It's like acting. Acting is all about um, what you're going after, where you're coming from and, and your mission. What is your mission? What's driving you to go after what you want? Like what's your overall and your scene objective, right? You have to know those things. And once you know that and you know exactly what you're after, you go after and you don't really think about anything else. You just live in the moment. And that's what I love about acting because after I do all of my work, my work and I prepare to the point where I'm just so full with all the information and knowledge and understanding of what I'm going after and what's actually happening in this scene, then I start to pull in pieces from my life emotionally to really uh, affect those lines and and my intent, you know, I put it all together. And just like football, all of the, all of the hard work in the past, the way I grew up, the things that I went through, right? That all goes into, I pull those things and I put it into the animation of the character, which is myself. I'm in this animated character on the football field who's on a mission for something. And what is it that I want? Like everybody wants something different. You know, I always said, I play this game for free. I was so passionate about the game because I wanted to succeed. I wanted to change the dynamic of the world that I was brought into, like my family, for instance. Like I wanted to be the first one to be the very best at what I was doing, especially at this sport. I wanted to like be the best at my position. I wanted to be the best in the league. I wanted to be the best ever at this position. And the only way to do that is to win every time I go out there on the field, always win. Because you never know, tomorrow's not promised. You might not get another opportunity. You can hope for the best, prepare for the worst, but always hope and live in the moment. What's driving you when it comes to acting? The same thing that drove me to play is football. Everything that I went through, my past, my experiences, the pain, the doubt, 
the people who told me no, the people who are looking at me right now and saying, it's probably not going to work. All of those things, it drives me to succeed. And I'm, I'm not going to stop working for anything. Nobody can distract me. Nobody can take me off course. I know what it is that I'm after. And I know what it is. I know exactly how it's going to pan out because I visualized it. I dreamed about it. I saw it. It's in my vision all the time. There's a phrase that my mentor used to use, and he passed away over the last year or so. And he used to say, do you have the story or does the story have you? And I hear you sort of talk about your story a little bit. Um, and so I'm, I'm curious for you, how do you make sure that your story isn't driving you and that you actually have your story? And, and I think what I mean by that is, um, you know, all those people saying, doubting you or you know, the hardships that you've had in your family. Um, how do you make sure that you're still the one driving the bus and not letting fear or, or other elements drive your bus? Uh, yeah, because you, you, you control the narrative. As a person, you control the narrative. It's all on you. Like, it starts from the moment you wake up. How, do you, how, do you, how are you responding to certain situations? How are you going to react? And just like acting, how are you? It's a reaction. I'm reacting to a certain thing, right? How am I going to, to navigate through this journey called life? Like, am I going to continue to keep this, this high-level mindset to succeed? Or am I going to let the people who tell me no cause me to fall off, right? So for me, I just keep it going. I just stay focused and just know what it is that I'm after. Because I've been through... Everyone has been through moments where they failed and they got back up and they succeeded. We've all had moments like that. Starting from when you were a kid, when you learn how to, first you crawl, then you walk. But when you walk and you fall, you get back up. You learn how to flip. You don't flip correctly, you fall, right? You run, you're not running properly, then you correct it. We all have these things that we go, uh, and we get back up. So just like that, if you think about that, that's how life is. You're going to fall, you're going to fail, but get back up, keep going. I think about your career in San Francisco. So I think you played 10 years with the Niners. Is that right? 10 years, yeah. And then they trade you mid-season to Denver. Is that right? Yes. And, and so you go to Denver and you're on this team that ends up winning the Super Bowl, but um, you're used to getting the ball in your hands. Like you're used to making a, a big impact. You're one of the best tight ends in the game. Mm -hmm. um, but on that Super Bowl team, I think you didn't catch a ball in the Super Bowl. What was, what was it like to, to win a Super Bowl? I'm sure you, you've been visualizing mm -hmm. that and dreaming that, and you know maybe it's on the vision board, but you're not necessarily catching the touchdown or doing it the way that you'd envisioned it. What was that experience like for you? I was amazing uh, experience. I was, you know, it was all about the team. You know, it wasn't about me anyway. I was just whatever, however I could contribute is, is what it was. You know, that's what, it, that's what was meant to happen. You know, uh, whether I was catching passes or blocking, it, it didn't really matter to me. As long as I was out there and we were able to win this game, that's all I cared about. Would you have taken that approach 10 years earlier if you were a rookie Ten, you know, starting out in San Francisco? 10 years earlier, no, I would not have taken that approach because I was uh, finding myself and trying to figure, trying to understand. As a young man, no man, no young man is going for that, you know, especially if you're used to having success in college and going to the pros and, you know what they're bringing you in for. They're bringing you in to catch passes and score touchdowns. And if you're not getting it, yeah, of course you're going to complain. 
it's interesting. I've worked for professional sports teams at the combine and they'll hire me to hire, uh, to interview players. Mm -hmm. And so one of my questions that I would ask, would you rather be a towel waiver on a championship team or a starter on a losing team? Mm -hmm. And to your point, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to play when you're, you're first starting out. Um, but I think as, as athletes that I've worked with over the years start to get older and older, they start to prioritize maybe the experience of winning and, and being part of a team and being part of something bigger themselves in a, a different way. So I think it's a, a fascinating dynamic, but if that was the end of the story and you rode off into the sunset with your Super Bowl ring, that would have been it. But I'm also born and raised in Washington, DC. Uh, and my parents are from here. So we grew up big. I'm going to call them the Redskins because we grew up with that. Um, and you came to Washington and I think they were like the only ones that wanted to sign you. And, and you were a, you know, huge name in the NFL. Um, but I think the expectations for you coming out of Denver were, were relatively low and you came here and like made an instant impact. And I think people were pretty surprised that there were still some, some traction on those wheels, so to speak. What was it like for you to, to go from, you know, winning a Super Bowl in Denver, but maybe not having the same impact you were used to, to then coming to Washington and really making an impact on the field. And I'm sure there was an impact in other ways as well in the locker room and, and so on and so forth. What was that transition like for you as a person and as a player? Uh, it was a great transition. Tra transition. It was, <clears throat> it was very, uh, it was very humbling. It was a humble, very humble situation for me. And I knew for a fact that I was going to come here and play no, without no doubt about it, because I knew that I still had a lot left in my body. You know, I probably could have played 20 something years if I wanted to, but you know, with all the stuff that happened in my life, my granddad passing away, had a concussion. It was, it was just so much on me. And I just said, Hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to go do other things. I'm going to take some time and I'm going to go do some other things. You know, this is it. But it was it was awesome, awesome, beautiful experience being back at home, playing in front of friends and family and going through a situation where people doubted me. They, they didn't think I had anything left, but I proved everyone wrong. I proved that I was even better than I was when I was younger. And the proof is there. If you just look at the average yards, yard, yards per catch that I had when I was playing with Washington, it's probably I think it's a much it's much better than any of the average yards that I've had. In my career. What do you think of the word quit? Uh, I think quit. There's, there's several ways to look at it. I mean, it depends, depends on what it, what the situation is. Quitting is. It depends on what it is. You, you, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like, how, how, how are you quitting? Like I, I that's, that's something that you really have to, You have to really, it's a lot of detail in that word because walking away from a, from a track meet can be considered quitting, but it's not really quitting. Depends on what's going on inside your mind, right? If it's a mental health issue and you feel, you feel in something that people can't understand or people can't see, then it's not quitting. It's not considered quitting. It can't be considered quitting. You're doing something for the sake of your health and, and your, your mental state. Right now, if it's just a situation where you're running and you're in the middle of a track rate track meeting and you just go to the side and say, I'm, I'm done. You're quitting. That's quitting. You know, it'd be different if you run the race, then you go to the side and say, I can't run anymore. I'm what was just... your, re what was your reaction to your brother when 
at halftime. I think he's playing for the Bills. Um, he said, Hey, I'm done. I got nothing left. What what was your conversation like him with him like? I was proud of him. I was proud of him because I know my brother. I was at first, you know, I had to think about it at the minute because I couldn't really understand what was going on. I didn't know if he, like you said, quit or I didn't know if he just was having uh some mental issues up there that I didn't understand. So then after talking to him and understanding my brother, I knew that he didn't quit. I said, I, my brother would never quit. He didn't quit. Mentally, he was at a point where he didn't want to, he couldn't go out there and get the team everything that he had. And, and inside of here, it just what he would just wasn't all there. And, and if you, if you, if you look at the, the history of, of this game, like players, there've been so many players who have lost their life and just died or they killed themselves. And after observing their brain, they find that there's CTE on their brain. Like I could have CTE on my brain. Vontae could have it on his brain. And whether we want to believe it or not, it's probably, that is probably the case. If there's guys who are younger than us and every time you look at someone's brain, they got CTE on their brain. Yeah, we have CTE on our brain. We might as well call it now. Whether, you, whether we want to, receive that or not it, it is what it is we you pay a price when you play this game anything you do in life you pay a price you know what comes with it you know what the possibilities are and I can't regret anything that's happened in my life like it doesn't matter whatever happens to me I can't regret my life I've had a great life I've done more things than people could even imagine doing things that I ever imagined like this has been amazing but that's my take on that. That's my perspective. You know, someone else may argue against me and say, no, that's not the case, but that's my perspective. And now I feel like it opens up a conversation for every athlete who's playing a very, very um, abusive, just contact sport, you know, just a contact sport in general, you know, we can't argue with them when they make certain decisions because we don't know what's going on up here. You, you understand what I'm saying? Um, yeah. When, it's just in, a unique situation. In the Olympics, when Simone Biles, you know, walked off, uh, I got called by a big national TV program and they wanted my opinion on it. And I, I said, I don't have enough information to give you an opinion. I don't have an opinion. I don't know. <laughs> like, and I think about the same thing with your brother or anyone who um, makes a decision that they think is best for them. I hope and I I want our society to get more curious than than they are convicted when those things happen. Yeah. And if they stay curious and and sort of move away from judgment, maybe they can learn a thing or two about humans. And you know, they still may be wrong. Like we can still disagree with their decision or have our opinions, but. I find our instinct is usually to become judgmental and to have an opinion. And for me personally, what I try to do is try to turn the volume down a little bit on that judgmental side of myself and right. just try to sit back and say, all right, I don't know the whole picture here. Let me try to get some information and be curious. And I think that's a big, big piece for all of us to, to work on is when we feel that judgmental side of us coming out, like, let's just create some space. And by the way, humans will also screw up. So that's also a possibility. Um, for you, you, you mentioned losing your grandpa, um, but I know you've also lost your mom and, and you had a relationship with your mom. 
that was challenging. Um, you know, I think she wasn't around a lot during your childhood, but then you reconciled with her later in life as an adult, but she battled with drugs. Can you talk about how you've learned and grown from your relationship with your mom over the years? Yeah, I think coming back here to play Washington, I really, it really allowed me to tap into a certain space with my mom and really cultivate a great relationship with her over the duration of my time here, duration of her time. Um, it was awesome. It was awesome. That's why I say coming back here was really pivotal for me because of the connection I was able to cultivate with my mom. And it was, it was just super wonderful. I don't know too many actors in Washington, D.C. Why not live in L.A.? Why, why, are you, why are you making this your home? I do live in L.A. I live in L.A. and D.C. I go, I'm back coast. God. I'm back and forth. Yeah, I have a house in L.A. So that must be nice. Winters, winters especially in L.A., are probably pretty nice. Um, I'm not there at a certain time. I just go whenever I feel like I need to go. Okay. Yeah, but I'm, I'm either there for a month or two weeks or I'm back here. I'm just like wherever, all over the place. My son is actually in D.C. He just got a scholarship to play to the, at DeMatha. So nice. um, I've been working with him and my youngest son is a, is a tremendous athlete as well. He's playing soccer and my daughter here getting her into sports. So I spend a lot of time here with them. And your son that's going to DeMatha, he's playing football? Yeah, he plays tight end. All right, so you were saying earlier just the CTE thing and you know the sacrifice and, and the violence that occurs with that sport. What's your communication been like with him as far as it relates to playing the game? Uh, just know that what he, he just know the just know what comes with it. You know, and I always tell him that there's a lot of things that come with injuries, health issues later on, um, all kinds of things. I mean, especially mentally um, with with, you know, that's been proven, that, you know, in history and um, just over time. But he knows that. Just making him aware of what, what he's getting into and make sure he understands that he's sacrificing a lot of things, you know, as he plays this game. There's a risk in everything that we do, and this is the risk. So he understands. And you're good with it. Yeah, I can't stop him from doing what he wants to do. I'll never do that. He can go do it. He can go be a pilot. He can be an astronaut. I'm not going to say, son, you can't do that. Cause that's, that's not my control. I don't have control over that. Whatever his mind tells him that he wants to do, if it's positive and it's something that he's going to benefit and he feels good about it. Yeah. Go do it. Go pursue it. Are any of your kids artists? Yeah. Um, a few of them, um, but two of them, might the youngest one, Belon and Valley. Do you think, you think that's a, a something we're born with or it's something that gets, sparked at a young age and then gets curated. How do you think about the nature and the nurture side of art? Um, I don't know. I just think it, it stems down from your family. Uh, it's passed down from relative to relative because when I changed my major in college to art studio, I couldn't understand why I was doing it. Three years after that, I, my family came to me and said my granddad was a, an amazing artist. He was a painter. And I never knew that. I never knew it. And you were raised with six siblings by your grandparents. What's different about how you're raising your kids from being raised by, you know, your grandparents? What's different about the dynamic that's, that you're experiencing as a, as a father? Um, I'm able to instill some of the things that my grandmother instilled in me uh, with my kids. You know, I can, I know there's that experience and there's experience that I dealt with in life. So I can take all that, all the, all of that, and put it with this. You have something extraordinary. 
Now I can lead them in the right direction because I have so much wisdom and discernment. And what's, what's worse about them maybe being raised with privilege or whatever word you want to attach with it, you know, with, with their dad being present from my research, I, I don't think you have a relationship with your dad. Um, maybe I'm wrong about that, but what, what's, what's, what are the benefits or the downsides? How do you think about that as a parent? Well, the best thing that ever happened to me is not, well, I'm not going to say, I wish, I wish I had my family, my, my parents, my mom and dad around consistently, but um, it was, it's okay because it made me a better person. You can take the things that that other people look at as a, oh, I feel sorry for the kid, uh, this and that. No, I feel grateful for me because it made me an extraordinary man, especially with my kids. I have this sense of urgency to be everywhere for my kids. I have a sense of urgency to be able to wake up every morning, pack their lunch, take them to school, pick them up from school, make them dinner at night, and repeat that button over and over every week. And it's easy. I do it effortlessly because I want that for them. You know what I mean? But if I didn't have that, if I but if I had my parents around, that probably I probably wouldn't be that way. Hmm. I would be kind of like, uh, you know. You know, here and there, yeah, I want to do it today, but you just never know. I mean, I just had the right things for the right moments. Yeah, I pride myself. I've got two kids, five and six years old, and I pride myself mm-hmm. on being present for them, active for them, engaged with them. And I am aware, especially where we live, both of us, like there can be helicopter parents who don't give their kids space to even breathe or experience or any independence. And so any advice for me as far as how I can keep them safe but also um, allow them to explore the world for themselves and, and find their own solutions and their own answers. Any salute? Say that one more time. Yeah. Any advice for parents uh, as it relates? You're a little further ahead. If, if you have a rising freshman, probably 14 years old, something like that. Um, mm. Any advice on how to give them the independence that maybe you had from your upbringing and the ability to figure things out um, from a young age and maybe to learn some things the hard way um, and combine that with the security that parents often feel like they need to provide for their kids. How do we blend independence and security? Well, you give the kids what they, what they need, not what they want. It's something like I learned from my grandmother a long time ago. She did it with us just because you want to pay a new Jordan, Michael Jordan t- tennis shoes or, or this game or that game, we're going to the store, you want chewing gum and candy. No, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. You get what you need, not what you want. That Now what you want can happen sometimes, but not all the time. It's not gonna work that way. So you discipline them in that way, just so they understand, you know, they gotta work for what they want. If they want certain things, you work for it. Like me, I can have anything I want if I want, but still I have to discipline myself too. You know, I can't just buy things Every day, I can't go to the mall every day. You know, it doesn't work that way. You have to really be precise and be strategic when you're doing these things and think things through. Always think, take time. And another thing I like to tell them, make sure they do too, is when they get angry, think about things before they react because anger can cause you to do things that you'll regret. Discipline is such an interesting word that I've heard you use over the course of our conversation today, because you also said, it. Hey, I had 27 projects I was working on, you know, when I retired, I was busy. I had a lot going on. How do you decide what to say yes to and what to say no to? How you feel it? If I get a script, I can feel it. I've turned scripts down. I turn roles down. If the role doesn't feel right or the, or the movie doesn't feel right after reading it, I won't do it. 
And how about investment opportunities? Uh, that just comes, you just learn over time, just looking at the numbers and seeing. So it depends. So if I'm investing in a startup, this is how I look at it. I look at who's involved. I wonder who's involved. Do you have someone on your team who's had exits? Is there anyone who, ex- an exit is when you, someone who's sold a company or been a part of an acquisition, a, a company that was sold, right? Do you have, um, what, are you, what is your, your exit strategy? When are you planning to exit, right? Do you have, what if this doesn't happen? Or how are you going to pivot? How are you going to change things up if this doesn't work? Do you have a plan for new concepts down the road? Um, do you, how many series do you plan, series do you plan on having when it comes to raising money? And, and, and there's, there's several series of, of funding where companies go out and they raise money, series A, series B, series C, series D, right? Until they get to the point where they feel that they have a, more than enough to be able to continue to scale. Scale meaning continue to produce and sell this product. Business is either a product or a service. But in this case, being a startup, this is a product. It could be, or it could also be a product and a service, right? A lot of these different um, um, uh, ventures are, are they're very being very creative nowadays. But uh, yeah, that's how I that's how I look at it, man. And I, and I look at also look at um, I look at um, what they've done in sales so far. I want to see their year over year their year over year growth, right? Maybe they did two million here. Maybe did year two they did six million. Maybe in year year three they did ten million. So if I see that, if I see a a trend, that tells me that this company is only going up and they they get stronger and stronger. But I I don't necessarily invest in like uh, in the I don't like to invest in like uh, in this infancy stage. I like to invest when they got some traction going on around the fifteen twenty million dollar valuation range because that's when they got momentum. That's when momentum's in. That's when I like to look at investments. So that's how I look at it and. I have to believe in the product. This has to be something I can organically use every single day. If I if I can't organically use it, I'm not going to I'm not going to invest in. It. Or sometimes, most times, a lot of people don't know. Like especially athletes, you don't have to put your money in all the time. A lot of times, I I become a strategic partner, meaning I bring people who want to invest in this product, or I give them resources and ideas and and um, you know, I just from a creative standpoint. Like you can do that too. Or I'd lend my name and like my name and likeness. You can get equity in a company from lending your name and likeness as well. When you were in high school, I think you went to Dunbar. Were you were people looking at you and saying you're smart? Mm, uh, I can't remember that. I don't know if they looked at me and said I was smart. Um, I know that I was smart because I was always I've always excelled in class. So I didn't really need anybody to tell me that. I knew for a fact that I was going to get things done because I've always been the type of person to get things done. So you did well academically in high school and then in college. Yeah, I was a National Honor Society. Yeah. So you were yeah, always... Kept... Can't get any better than that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, it's interesting. I'm, I'm just thinking about myself. We don't have that much in common. Um, yeah. But like I, in high school, I wasn't gifted and talented. I was not deemed as like smart. Um, and I was not deemed as creative because mm-hmm. I wasn't a painter. I wasn't an actor. And as I've gotten older, I've actually identified more and more with the idea of being creative. I've written a book. I have a podcast. I created my own assessment. I like building stuff. And so it's just interesting how labels can impact, once again, the stories that we tell ourselves and as you're, as you're shaking your head. So yeah, what comes up for mm-hmm. you as I say that? 
no, it just made me think. You, 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 you took going back that far. You made me make me think because I was in a. A lot of people actually thought I wasn't going to make it. Actually, what do you mean by you know, not even, make it? Well, when I was in age from from fifth grade and sixth grade, I had a moment. I had that year it was a rough year for me. I got arrested twice. You know, I got arrested twice. I was on probation. My grandmother had to take me to see my PO. And uh, so if, if you can look at that, a kid who get, you see getting arrested twice and rolling with the wrong people, like, not going to make it. Knucklehead, right? They're like, you're a knucklehead. Like, that's what yeah, they call not, those kids. Yeah, not in this environment. This this environment, people are getting killed, man. Mm-hmm. Like, these young boys getting arrested and killed. That's what happened. A lot of my friends, they got killed. They got killed. They were arrested. Like all kinds of things happen. That's the environment that I came from. I mean, it's nothing I could do about that. You can't, you don't have to be, you don't have to become what you were brought into, right? And that's that's one of my main, that's why I have this relentless approach on, on what I do and how I do it because, because of how I was brought up and the environment I was raised into. What changed for you from that fifth and, and sixth grade on? I had a loving grandmother. I had a, um, I was very, I could understand things differently. Um, I knew what was going on. I knew I had to do things. I knew I had to change the direction of, of my path because I was going down the wrong path. And my grandmother was always there and she really helped me fine tune those. She helped really played a huge part in me making that move. It's interesting as I hear you talk, I hear someone who loves to learn. So you just gave like all this info on finance and investing. Like clearly you learned from that. You talk about having an acting coach, uh, like and constantly learning the growth mindset that you possess. Like you're always trying to mm-hmm. learn and grow. And I imagine a lot of that stems from a curiosity and a desire to be creative. And by the way, curiosity is usually what underpins creativity. If people want to increase their creativity, they should probably look to increase their curiosity. I think about then your ability to go forward and put yourself in situations that are uncomfortable, whether that's dancing with the stars or curling or putting paint on canvas and then sharing it with the world. Or I know you've been involved with Jamba Juice or real estate or NFTs or whatever it is that, that you're involved with. And then certainly acting when you're putting yourself out there on a, on a TV screen or on a, a movie theater screen, like there's a vulnerability that you're comfortable with. So a lot of my takeaways from today is how you've been able to constantly learn, constantly grow and be fearless enough to put yourself out there and to go for things and try things. Does that sound like a good summary of the way you approach things as, Hey, I'm going to grow. I'm going to learn as much as I can. And then I'm going to be willing to go for it and shoot my shot and trust my gut or trust my instinct in those, in those situations. That sounds really good to me. Well, that's a good, that's a good place for us to, to close. Um, Vernon, before I let you go, is there anything that you want to promote or share or highlight for our audience that they can, they can go do or they can learn more about, about what you're up to or about some of the investments or philanthropic endeavors that you're passionate about? Whatever you want to do, this is just a time to use the microphone as a megaphone. Yeah, just Jack's Jocks, um, J-A-X-J-O-X. It's a great um, interactive workout uh, platform for working out. It's, uh, it's amazing. If you guys don't know about it, you should look it up and, and make it a part of your home. It's, I think it's incredible. It's incredible technology. I think you really love it. So uh, make sure you follow me for more information or 
follow Jack Stocks on Instagram and do your research. I know Vernon's on Instagram as well at Vernon Davis. Uh, are you 85? Is that, is that yours? Yeah. At Vernon, Davis at Vernon. Yep. At Vernon Davis 85. And I think you're there on Twitter as well. I'm on Twitter yeah. at Brian Levinson. And then LinkedIn is the other place I like to play at Brian Levinson. And you can listen mm-hmm. to all these conversations at strongskills.co slash podcast. Big shout out to uh, Dequell Jackson for connecting us. Uh, really appreciate it, Dequell. And Vernon, hopefully uh, you, me, Dequell, and a few other people can get together for, uh, I know Dequell likes to drink wine. So we're going to take him up on his offer to, to get us a glass of wine and looking forward to meeting you in person at some point. I'll cross the river to Virginia. Maybe you come to Maryland. Uh, we'll make it happen. Uh, but thanks for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Intentional Performers with Brian Levinson. Here is this week's episode gem. You control the narrative. As a person, you control the narrative. It's all on you. Like it starts from the moment you wake up. How do you? How do you? How are you responding to certain situations? How are you going to? Re- how are you going to react? And just like acting, how are you? It's a reaction. I'm reacting to a certain thing. How am I going to to navigate through this journey called life? Am I going to continue to keep this high level mindset to succeed, or am I going to let the people who tell me no? Cause me to fall off. So for me, I just keep it going. I just stay focused and just know what it is that I'm after.